Welcome to Season 4, Episode 9 of the Practical 365 Podcast with me, Steve Goodman, and Rich Dean. Rich, how are you? I'm doing very well, sir. How are you doing? <laughs> I am fantastic. It is nearly December. Christmas is on the way. And yeah. um, for those who can't see Rich or are listening, Rich is looking quite like Santa. But <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yes, he is. <laughs> so, um, a little skinny Santa. Skinny job. Santa. Skinny Santa. Uh, part-time <laughs> job at a mall, maybe. <laughs> Svelte Santa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but uh, we're also joined on the show by Mike Wilson. So uh, rather than just a little slot in the middle of the show, you're joining us for the, the whole thing, which is uh, a pleasure. Mike, do you want to tell everyone listening uh, what you do at Quest? Uh, yeah, I've been working at Quest uh, for around uh, 17 years. I have a, a background in uh, cybersecurity and uh, been an engineer for uh, 20 plus years. Um, uh, the last couple of years, I've been working on uh, AI-based uh, technologies here at Quest and uh, hoping to uh, share some of that information with you guys. Sounds good. So on the last show with Paul, we were just before Microsoft Ignite um, and timing things you know, very well as always. Uh, Ignite was later that week and it's been a couple of weeks. So we've had a chance to let the dust settle, as it were, and uh, take away some of the, the most interesting things from Ignite. So... Uh, we're going to go around and pick out one thing each, because I'm sure if you're listening, you've had a chance to read all the news. Uh, we're not going to give you out-of-date stuff, but there's there's a few things that have, have stuck in our minds and are, are relevant as well. So I'm going to I'm going to start with you, Rich, then before me, and then go on to to Mike. So Rich, yeah, um, what was your what's the biggest sort of takeaway that you've got from from this year's Ignite? And did you yeah. did it surprise you? Uh, did it surprise me? Interesting. No, I don't think there was any big surprises. I think Planner was the only surprise for me, the announcements around Planner, because I don't follow that. But that was good news to me. So, so for those that's that a, don't know, what's happened with Planner? Uh, they're basically finally unifying Planner project to do tasks into a single entity and product. And they've even relabeled the product, rebranded it. It's all going under the planner brand now. So hopefully that should solve a lot of those problems with where do I track my tasks? Um, you know, so, but that's an aside. That was my only surprise, but the big, uh, takeaway I took from it was, uh, you know, when we talked around the experts conference on one of the earlier podcasts, we talked about Mary Jo, Mary Jo Foley's uh, predictions around, you know, what uh, what Microsoft focuses are, new focuses are obviously act uh, AI um, and in expanding their their consumer base and maintaining their enterprise uh, customers. Um, but uh, you know, building their own silicon, and they really did deliver. I mean, it was the from the keynote. It was really the star of the show. It opened up the entire show. I mean, he had his yeah. little sideshow there to get everything warmed up. But when the first announcement announcements came out after he coined it the age of co-pilots, he really <laughs> drove into the AI infrastructure and like revealed, you know, Cobalt and and Maya and the and the Nvidia 
media partnerships. Um, so it was quite impressive, you know, and even the hollow fiber uh, that they're that they have designed and producing themselves, their their hundred percent energy, uh, uh, you know, uh, renewable energy sources that they announced. Um, so they're they're very serious about data centers that are efficient, cost efficient, energy efficient, and then will deliver the 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 infrastructure that's needed for the new the coming revolution of you know generative ai and and more ai within applications because that's going to require a lot yeah. more power <laughs> and a lot more cycles and a lot more gpus and a lot more specialized ai accelerators um and i think they're really i mean they really i don't think i've ever seen a microsoft announcement so heavily charged in the hardware space myself and hollow fiber is fiber that they can get more data down yep and yeah. i think they said that they've they've done this in 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 england it might be going past my house as it goes from london to durham um or or thereabouts um because i am in the middle of the country <laughs> obviously um but that means that, that that means instead of having lots of of these cables, then they can they, they can transfer uh, at, at a single connection at a faster speed, um, which is is big, I suppose. When they are are looking at building these supercomputers that span data centers, um, as well. I mean, they have their own fiber under the sea, Microsoft. Like, yeah, you know, they're contracting for you know layers that lay those 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 lines, so they have their own cable, man. So yeah, yeah. they're all in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at uh, Build, they announced that they're doing 128 data centers over the next year. So that's almost like one data center every every other day type of thing. So, I mean, each data center is five football fields in size. So, I mean, these things are massive. And just imagine all that silicone and all that uh, the fibers and everything. Which uh, um, honestly, uh, I would well, love to go I, on a tour of one. I, if I anyone's listening and wants to offer up a tour, <laughs> it's, they're definitely worth going. I, I remember I went on one, and um, the the chap introduces a cathedral of computing, which was, you know. Uh, but I still, I still got on a plane and say to the kids, "Look out the window, there's the cloud. That's where, that's what your OneDrive files are." And they get sick of, of those bad bad jokes. But in the data centers, they do need the space because these new, um, what's the, what's the the word for Microsoft's new? chipsets because if you look at say google they've got tpus that that, that are used for um offloading or providing well, inference against things that don't necessarily need a gpu to do and can be lower power so microsoft aren't necessarily building gpus are they with no. this new chipset no they're building so ai they're accelerators so they're calling them and they're specialized chips for specific jobs. And then they're producing, obviously, their one CPU, which is Cobalt. Yeah. But yeah, not GPUs. Go ahead, Mike. You had something. Sorry. No, uh, same thing. Uh, Apple's doing the same thing. They're AI accelerator. So they're, they're similar, but uh, not, not the same. <laughs> so will this be something that Microsoft will expect to be able to run open AI models on, like GPT-4 models, which... Uh, with the 128k context size, massive, massive models, right? Yeah, 
I mean, that that's a, actually that's exactly the expectation, right? Yeah. I mean, with the, with the announcements of you know the new the new version of Dolly, the video integrations, all of that's going to require much more specialized chips. So, the the question on everybody's lips is going to be, well, does does this mean that Copilot potentially could become cheaper or more available? Because I think at the moment, yeah. I think it's fair to say that the minimum license limit of 300 and uh, the price point perhaps as well is yep. I think that's on purpose, prohibitive. Though. Yes, exactly. It's got, it's, it, it's, li- it's, it's in limited supply. And, 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 and it's a premium product at its infancy. And just like any new technology, the most affluent and most risk, uh, uh, you know that the, the most the organization can absorb the most risk will adopt it first, and then as it gets cheaper, it will supposedly trickle down. But that is true in terms of technology. Technology yeah. actually trickles down, not like money. But well, Microsoft, are, <laughs> uh, Microsoft are a company who you know also you know like to promote fairness, right? And we've seen on the we've seen that they have been been testing Copilot with small business. But if you're a small or medium sized business. You might be thinking that, well, you're, the, the execs might say Microsoft are giving our biggest competitors, the big, you know, the, the Goliaths um, to us as David, the, a competitive edge effectively because it costs them little in comparison with the size of their workforce to get this thing. But sure. again, I think Microsoft will go broke if they they gave trials. But by having I don't think they can support it at this point. That's another concern right now, right? They're building these data centers. How many a day, Mike? Like, uh, and then and you look at ChatGPT four and OpenAI right now. You can't you can't open a subscription right now. They shut it down because I'm I don't know why they haven't announced, but I guarantee it's probably capacity. Yeah, like yeah, I think they, at the moment, they have people handing them money hand over fist, and they're like, ah, we can't support anymore. And like that's why these prices are so high, and that's why they know the adoption rate is going to be a very slow. This is a ten-year type of thing, going to the moon type thing. I think going to the moon. You know that that's probably the <laughs> the best way of describing it, isn't it? There's um in the 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 chat before we still we don't all have spaceships so and that was <laughs> in the chat before we, we we started um rich was being very sort of you know forward looking but it is yes. like that where where people go we're going to go to the moon and everybody laughs um but they got there and it's a bit like that isn't it where there's so many different things that you need to be able to achieve it that we do actually have to talk about hardware and data centers because it affects the availability of things like Copilot or the ability to do this stuff if you're building it yourself, right? Yep. Uh, so I was going to I was going to talk about Copilot because um, one of the sessions. Which one? <laughs> well, which one? I mean, this is the thing. Everything's a copilot, and now things that weren't copilots become copilots, and then everything gets intermingled. So, Microsoft 365 copilot. There was a good session on how it works, and uh, I mean, what one thing that uh, when I wrote an article a few weeks ago, I couldn't say is I'm an EAP customer, so you hear some of this stuff, but we can't talk about it. Just like being on the MVP program, you hear stuff, you can't repeat it. That's that happens, unfortunately. Uh, but once Microsoft do share it, we can talk more about it. So, you know, Mike and I think Rich as well, you know, retrieval augmented generation is probably a, a common term to yourselves, isn't it? But not necessarily to everyone who's listening. Now, 
Uh, I can explain it, but I know, Mike, this is an area of your expertise. Do you, do you fancy giving it a shot, given that we've got you here for the show? Yeah, sorry, I, I wasn't, I didn't hear the first part. Um, so retrieval augmented generation. Oh, do you yes, fancy yes. Uh, giving the audience a, a, a two-minute explainer for those that uh, don't know what it is? Yes, uh, retrieval aug- augmented uh, is... Um, the uh, what happens is uh, in these AI bots, uh, you know, LLMs, they are they have their parameters that they have that they're looking around They're They're trying to figure out, you know, kind of predict the next word. Um, what the rag pattern is all about is grounding that uh, that LLM or, or chat GPT for, for a better term uh, for, for those of you out there. And uh, what it does is it basically looks up the, the process, looks up some data that uh, allows it to use its uh, internal data as well as some external data and to be able to generate the final answer. So to give a to give a, something simple, say that you're, you know, you have a maybe you're a lawyer and you're you're looking up a particular term um, and maybe you're looking up something about a case. Um, so it would go through, you know, pull some data available. You're like, hey, what's so-and-so doing on this particular day? It's looking, you know, into a system. It's uh, generating embeddings and using semantic search to come up with these, you know, little bits of information. Uh, and it uh, will get the data, you know, feed it into the, the LLM. It'll use its internal bits to, to kind of understand the question a little bit about the legal world and then using its own, you know, ability to predict the next word as well as, you know, some external data that it has, it, it spits out a final answer. And, and what this does is it helps uh, get rid of a lot of uh, hallucinations. It allows you to, to look at your own data. It's kind of more like adding long-term kind of memory into these large LLMs, right? Because they, they can't understand data that's coming, happening yesterday or, or whatever. They're trained on data that was years ago. Um, and so being able to have this, uh, uh, you know, retrieval augmented, you know, generation allows the kind of combining the, the, both of those two together. And one, one way of looking at it can be that you're using the model to form words rather than guess, well, guess the next word in what will eventually seem to be its knowledge. But you're instead giving it the information it needs to then provide a really good answer. Yeah. And um is that part the, of training, like, so, or is that different? Is training different. That, okay? No, so that there's there's actually three things. There's uh, there's um, there is some training that you can actually do. Is to you can actually build your own GPT, which is with those new EOS uh, supercomputers where there's ten thousand GPUs. You can train a big, large one. You know, in in three to four minutes. I mean, it's just amazing. So, so that's I mean, that, next gen. And that's the fine tuning of a model, isn't it? So that's an So I mean, okay. I'm, the copilot so is refinement. Ragging so, is refinement. No, no, that, no, no, that's no, no. Yeah, yeah. That's so, the, the building your that, own model. Then, the, then there's fine tuning it, which is just setting up a set of parameters. So you take a large model and you just say, okay. hey, you know, maybe you want to take GPT and, and make it just particularly for lawyers. So then you fine tune it where you give this question answer and fine tune it. And then there's then there's also, of course, uh, you know, prompt engineering, single shot, few shots, you know, type of thing. Yeah. So what Microsoft are doing with Copilot is it's not fine tuning a modeling that is uh, um, or 
any sort of information that's applied against your tenant data because that wouldn't respect a security boundary necessarily either if it was trained against the data and then it wouldn't necessarily always be accurate as well but it's effectively the prompt thing you ask it then it will have something before that says in context you know this person you know I am Microsoft Word. I'm going to have a long document written in here. Uh, please answer what the user wants. Um, and if they ask for something that's long, please do so. If they ask for it to be concise, keep it short. And then, it, and if they've asked a question of a document in particular, it will provide the contents of that document. If it's a search, and then that's came from Microsoft 365 and this semantic index in my, from the graph search, then those answers will come back uh, and be provided. And then alongside that, you've got a domain-specific language that Microsoft are providing, which is guidance to the model of how to respond in a language like pseudocode that's then used by the Office apps to then adjust what happens. A bit like if you're using ChatGPT and you got it to respond in Markdown. Um, or a bit like GitHub Copilot, but it's not really code that's then executed. It is a list of things that it might do. So they're, so they're not specific about this. And using Fiddler, I've not been able to see what comes back. So don't waste your time um, yet, at least <laughs> trying to do the same. But the idea is that, that you get back a list and it might say, um, PowerPoint presentation with this image from here, and then it will go off and grab those things and then assemble the documents. So Microsoft are sort of taking advantage of the large context size of all their history, then all the additional information that needs to be then sent back and forth to that underlying model to then generate the answer, but also machine-readable instructions that are then used by the Office app. So you've got in the middle this orchestration engine, and that's also where additional guardrails sit that are specific to Microsoft 365 Copilot that define the work-safe language, which is um, more saccharine, I suppose, than ChatGPT itself or the underlying So this model. is unique to Microsoft, this uh, RAG pattern? But what they're doing is, but it's not, it's what everybody's doing. It's the way of tons of variations of it as well. There's just one. Yeah. Sure. So it'd be a bit like, I suppose, with not Dali or something like that, giving it, um, Ask, get, giving out a full description of what you look like would be the retrieval augmented generation with relevance to Santa and thin Santa and so on, and it coming in with a picture of you versus fine-tuning it would be giving it loads of photos of you at different angles, smiling, angry, and then fine-tuning it against that, or for law, giving it all these case files. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the fine-tuning stuff is it's an, another thing altogether, really, isn't it? And not specific... It, you'd use it if you were going to fine-tune something and then build a Copilot plugin, building your own sort of Copilot add-on, I, I suppose. Yeah, that's exactly what it'd be for. If you're in some specialization type of thing that you were doing, but you still wanted to have the general knowledge of, of, of one. Yep. So, Mike, um, one thing that's really useful and interesting, really, is what you've been doing with Microsoft and, and, and colleagues at, at Quest. The challenge that loads of people have is where do I find these use cases and how do I sort through what's good? Um, you know, I heard of uh, one business and they they spent some time coming up with use cases for AI and came up with 70. Um, 
how do you know which are the good ones and which are the bad ones? Uh, so tell us a bit more about the um, the AI hackathons that, that you've been involved with recently. Yeah. So we, we took all, a lot of these ideas. We, uh, we kind of broke them down into three main categories. Uh, one category was kind of cost savings to the business, right? Uh, sometimes you, you would need some really advanced kind of uh, product to be able to do something uh, for some simple basic things that you need. Um, and you can replace those with AI. So you can get some significant cost savings through that. Um, the next kind of category was, hey, how about uh, saving time for people at Quest, like being able to make them more efficient. How, do, how does that kind of look? Uh, and then the last category was how do we make our customers more efficient? So we basically had these three categories. We kind of looked at the ideas. We kind of said, hey, here's a, we came up with a, an initial set of ideas, and then we sent them out to kind of all of our architects uh, amongst all the different products and said, here, here's some examples. Can you come up with other things that are similar to this that uh, you know, kind of these types of ideas. And they came back with a, a plethora of ideas, kind of like you're saying, like 70, 80, whatever. Quite a few ideas came back. Um, we sorted through them and we kind of picked the best one, best, best of the bunch, you know, talking to our, our product uh, managers and, you know, and our uh, architects and kind of get everyone together and kind of voted on them uh, to come up with them. So uh, to give some examples, some of the cost savings was was kind of uh, kind of as I kind of mentioned, looking through log files instead of having to do app insights and paying for a, a large amount. There we could store it in ADX and be able to sort and give you a real time queries over your data to pull out ad hoc things very quickly. So it was a little. Uh, generator for uh, being able to do Kusto queries. Uh, you can basically type in natural language and be able to pull out any data you wanted out of, you know, hundreds of terabytes of data very quickly, which is pretty cool. Um, another one was uh, to, for our customers was, hey, you know, generating charts that basically would uh, detect anomalies and then tell you, hey, you know, it clearly explain here's what the anomaly was. Here's, you know, this user logged on this particular time. Um, here's some things that you can do to follow up. It was like kind of like having an expert over your, over your shoulder, like, oh, he might really have logged on. But, you know, here's ways to validate if this was a real login or not. So you could actually follow up with things. Um, so it was, it was really cool. And then, of yeah. course, there's some internal things where it's like, hey, you know, uh, support or, 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 you know, being able to quickly find, search the product documentation, search the code, search, you know, knowledge based articles, other previous cases and come up with, you know, refinement. So being able to really kind of take what the business is doing and and trying to help it just become more efficient. Um, and so yeah. a lot of those things were uh, put together um, very quickly. Microsoft has services to kind of help out with that. And it uh, it's a, it, uh, it was a great experience to uh, to kind of train up our team very quickly on AI. And do you go do you go for the quick wins or do you go for the the big changing ideas that are going to provide the most value but they might be you know more of a risk how do you how do you sort between the, the those sort of two or do you do both at once yeah i think that it's a good question um you know i think at least we we pulled some of our quest customers and they said you know hey we're we're kind of hesitant about this technology right this is you know a couple of months ago i think everyone's still trying to tip their toe in the water just to kind of see how things are going 
I, I think their their preferences were kind of like, hey, how do we how do we just make the 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 efficient more? You know, how do we make the products more efficient? How do we make it a little bit better? And um, so we we did a little bit of both, but uh, in the end, we we settled on more of the simple kind of just make uh, our customers' lives a little bit better. You know, um, visiting customers myself, talking to to them, um, it's it's sometimes where that the value to the the business isn't necessarily it's it's almost never cutting numbers of of employees or just about the money savings. You know what. The, the leadership are going to you know be really interested in are things like improving the customer experience in a measurable way. Um, I, I've had similar things you know support the experience somebody has with support how quickly that problem is solved. Um, in our own lives, we know that makes a difference to our perception of the whole company, and sometimes that experience is difficult for, for you know for, for people operating at the other end trying to sort through loads of different potential answers and find the right one so that's that's probably a use case that probably fits wherever you work if you have customers that you have to deal with on in any sort of support capacity whether that's um you know a house builder and people phoning up with problems with their plumbing um uh, that's not a euphemism i should say um in the actual house uh you know, snagging issues and so on um that was you know a case of one customer recently where ai would be a good fit but there's probably not they're not going to get have less staff they're just not going to have someone frustrated at the end of the phone um so if you are a quest customer and you you need to vote, call support then this is this isn't the people on the support side might be using to then to make your life easier you know in the future then Yep. Answer your questions faster. Get on. Get a solution. You know, it. Uh, imagine calling up the first time and getting the right answer. Like that would be, uh, you know, consistently. That would be. That would be awesome. I think Microsoft need to to have this themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we need to keep in mind though, like adoption. There's still a lot of risk out there. Most organizations just simply don't. There's not the litigation history there, and there's not yeah. the regulation there, and the guidelines are just, just trickling out from the EU and the White House and CISA. So, and they're not enforceable in a lot of respects, you know, because Congress hasn't ratified them, and I don't know if the EU has ratified their act. Um, so there's still a lot of, even though we can start to move file, move forward in investigating these items, like I don't know when, whether it's Quest or any other organization, is when do they say yes? Like how do they, how do they get there? Like I think that. Microsoft, of course, have got on the copilot stuff. I guarantee that things that it generates, as long as you don't feed it copyrighted information and ask it to rewrite it, you you get a guarantee of sorts. But obviously, that's not been tested, as I know yet. Um, it's a different <laughs> yeah, story. Of course, it. if you built, you know, the further you get away from buying it as a commodity service, the less guarantees you have. Right? If you were running this in your own data center using some of the models like Llama and so on, you could do anything with it, and then you'd be completely responsible for what happens. Yep. So I suppose it, it does depend on what you're doing. So, But you can hardly dip your toe in. You know, Microsoft need to get Microsoft 365 Copilot, you know, kind of out there, don't they? You know, So maybe some of the things we talked about make that happen. But these use cases, 
I think we need to we need to find out how you get on, Mike, um, and and come back um, and see how it's going in the future, if you'd be so kind. Yeah, that would be great. And I'd love to, to come back and then join you guys. Yeah, yeah it was you. great, Mike. Thank you. Uh, and that is all for today's show. So in two weeks' time, I'll be back with Paul Robichon, um in the run-up to Christmas. Uh, it's only a few weeks <laughs> away, and Rich will be coming down your chimney. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll see you, uh, Steve, at, uh, you know, about 1 a.m. on the 24th. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you very much. And join us next time.